0: What you need to do is talk to somebody that understands it all, that can look at your, uh, look at and understand what's going on in your home and Mm -hmm. then help you decide, as I say, the aspirational approach of what would be possible and then back down as necessary and you get the best possible result. Mm
1: -hmm. Welcome to Home Green Homes Podcast. I am Izumi Tanaka, a green home advisor and a green realtor. Here I invite a variety of experts in the world of green homes and have conversations about how we can all live in healthy, resilient, and efficient homes. My guests provide insight in the wide range of topics from designing, building, and living in green homes, purchasing or financing green homes and improvements to how we can live to reduce the negative environmental impact from the way we live. My goal is to inspire and inform you about how we can make a difference in our own lives and our environment. Hello, this is Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes. Today, I have an exciting guest, Jay Gentry, who can tell us all about Passive House. So Jay, thank you so much for being with me today and I understand you have some slide, sh- uh, slide deck uh, prepared for us so you can go ahead and uh, start sharing your deck and tell us about you.
0: That sounds great. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I am uh, now Can you see my screen now? Yes, I can okay uh, we let me get it up let me have it come up as a real as a full screen there uh, you go. and uh, the the title that i chose for today's conversation i'm really grateful to have the opportunity to spread uh, to spread the word is the building blocks of passive house and how that performance happens and by way of introduction uh, i am i went to school at UCLA graduated from UCLA business school i was uh, i am am a i'm a Leading edge baby boomer. So it was during the Vietnam War, and I didn't get to pick whether or not I went into the the military, but I got to pick which branch. So I was a a pilot and instructor pilot in the Air Force. Uh, I then became a marketing and sales. Uh, I went to work in the sales and shortly thereafter became a marketing and sales consultant, and I've been doing that my whole working life. Uh, I am on the board of Passive House California, the board of directors. Uh, and I, I'm semi-retired, although my wife refers to it as hardly retired, uh, <laughs> I, because I do spend a lot of time advocating for Passive House and essentially just the state of the science design and construction. Uh, and I would tell everybody, I'll, I'll, my contact information will be at the end of this. If someone has a question or wants to talk to me, I'm, this, is, this is what I do. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, and we have a lot to cover, so I'll just keep rolling along, but interrupt at any time that you want.
1: Yes. Thank uh, you so have, much.
0: <laughs> we have about uh, a presentation of, uh, of about uh, 20 minutes. Oh, I've got my wrong deal up there already. It's, it's 20 <laughs> minutes, but 10 minutes afterwards. So uh, we're going to cover varying topics. And my hope is that during this podcast, the people listening will experience some, wow, well, okay, aha, that's interesting. I think that makes sense. I'm going to look further into it, or I'm going to integrate this into my thinking and planning. So that's my goal. Uh, The things we're gonna cover today uh, are, this is the first things are just what are the basics of passive house? Mm -hmm. So um, I'll start by saying passive house has arrived. It's a German standard. But it is now sweeping across. You see the hockey stick uh, graph at the top. Uh, It's really growing, growing very fast for a number of reasons. Uh, And uh, I'd like to point out that in 2017, the United Nations identified and endorsed Passive House as a global standard for the developing world and the developed world for new and other buildings that are as they're being built. Uh, A Passive House, the description, must be a house. So this is actually a Passive House but the word HAUS in German is, means, is, refers to buildings. So a passive house can also be a multifamily building. Or this is these, all uh, five of these photographs are university buildings from tall dorms to, to, you know, to cafeteria centers to classrooms to things like that. You can really build any building as a passive house. Or this I like to show because this is a whole city block that's going to have 750,000 square feet of mixed use. 655 affordable units and commercial space in a school. And this, this building, this, this whole city block will actually operate on less than, half, less than half of the energy that it would require for operations if it were not Passive House, if it were just built according to code. And this is just from about a month ago. This is, a, this is that project underway. So the building blocks of Passive House, which is an easy way to understand it, uh, is that the, the first thing is an airtight building envelope. It's like, like the thermos that many of you probably have to keep your coffee hot or cool, or your, uh, your tea or ice water cool during the day. And this envelope, the airtight envelope, includes the windows and doors. So you need uh, a higher performance windows and doors. Climate-specific insulation is the second building block with the removal of thermal bridges so that, the, we, so that your buildings do not leak either air from the first building block, or through uh, through con- or conduction within the building, and we'll talk further about that as we get on. Okay. Buildings don't need to breathe, as you've heard, is kind of an old wives' tale. Uh, they don't need to breathe. air. they do need to allow moisture to escape, or uh, you know, um, humidity to escape, or to keep it to keep it in balance. Uh, but but the the tighten it is not necessary. But it's air. It you do need fresh air for people to breathe. So. The third third building block with Passive House is a balanced ventilation system with heat recovery so that the the other air you're bringing in is close to the temperature of the air inside already, regardless of the outside air temperature, and you can filter that air as appropriate. Uh, In the last couple of years, because of the smoke from wildfires, we've been doing a lot of double filtration systems where you can filter it normally uh for normal but if it's but if it's if the pollen is particularly bad or there's smoke from wildfires or the pollution or something you can switch over to a hepa level filter uh, and and get the filter because it's airtight you have control of the air in the building so that's a big a big factor that's leading to the new new traction and then of course you would put renewables on to get to net zero or all the way to net carbon, uh, net zero energy or all the way to net uh, net carbon energy. And a passive house will take less than half of the solar panels to provide net zero than a regular house. In fact, looking at it here in California is something that we do. The California Ener- uh, Energy Commission came up with the code compliance in- index a number of years ago mm. And in 2006, the, the level of 100 was considered. That's a that is a well performing, or that's how, how building should perform, in terms of uh, in terms of energy efficiency and comfort and things like that. This is primarily energy efficiency here. Uh, in 2016, they lowered it to 65. We our our codes got better so that so that your average built building was at 65, uh, which is 35 percent you know, better than 100. Then in 2019, with the energy codes, we came up to, uh, we got down to 50 to 60. Uh, and when you put the solar on it that is required now, you have to have, you know, you have to, your, your photovoltaic compliance, you get all the way down, oops, excuse me, bump something there. You, <laughs> you get all the way down to, uh, to around 20 to 30. Uh, mm-hmm. And a regular passive house, just, a, just a, your basic passive house is already at 20. Oh wow! If you if you go to the next level, you can get a higher level of passive house. Like lead has lead, gold, and then platinum. This would be passive mm-hmm. house plus, and then premium. Go down to with passive house plus, you go to net zero automatically, and with passive house premium, you go well beyond net zero. So this passive house performance, uh, these building blocks that we're getting, the, the performance that you get is an 80 to 90 percent reduction in energy necessary for heating and cooling. It's a bigger deal in Fresno where it's super hot or uh, Minnesota where up in Tahoe where it's cold, Uh, but 80 to 90% of the heating and cooling is there. And and to give some uh, kind of put that in context, that's about the same as you changing from an incandescent light to LEDs. Many of you will have done it, but whereas an LED costs considerably more than an incandescent, it does not cost much more to go to passive house.
1: You get around
0: a 70% reduction in total energy use across the country. California, we already have codes that are better than average across the country. So in California, it's more like a 55 to 50, maybe 60% uh, reduction in overall energy use. Big, cool, big clue here, and this is one of the things really driving it, is because you have it airtight and you have control of the air, you reduce your unwanted infiltration of allergens and pollutants and things like that by as much as ninety five percent. you can in a passive house, if you look at the sunbeam coming through the window over the kitchen sink, you can almost not see any uh, of the dust motes and things floating around because they aren't there floating around because the air is is filtered when it comes in. You have extreme comfort, including audible, if are very quiet in a passive house, healthy indoor air quality, durability, they tend they last longer because there's not as as air passes through, the cracks and things in a regular house, that air, if it has moisture on it and passes through the dew point as it goes in or out, you wind up depositing that moisture in the walls and you get the, you know, you get the deterioration in the mold, et cetera. And if you do choose to go with passive house, it accelerates or magnifies the impact of renewals or storage. You can get by with half the renewals, as I said earlier, and your storage lasts twice as long. So if you're, if you're taking the 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 objective of having a battery is having some battery of that power and, uh, and solar panels, you can, the you can run the solar panels during the day to charge up the battery and then the battery can run your home at night when the high electric, you know, when the uh, time of, time of use rates are higher. So it just so makes I have, a, a great deal of sense to go in that direction.
1: No, I have a question
0: for yes, that, this
1: have. last uh, slide. So all this percentage reduction that you mentioned, uh, is it at the lowest level uh, of passive house uh, qualification? Uh, or is it, do you have to go all the way to the higher no, it, level it, of passive?
0: This is this is a standard passive house classic is what this is what you achieve. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. You go even That's further great.
0: with uh, uh, with the others. Thanks for asking. Thank That's a good. I should no, have thank- pointed that out. That's a good thing. No, thank you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, passive house, it's in the name. Passive house is passive. It means things that you do with the siting or the things that you do that they, they just perform. Um, and an example of that, me, people talk about passive solar. An example here is if you build your site, your home properly or building properly and get the eaves correct, you can block the summer sun from getting in and the solar heat gain. And let the winter sun in. You'll find if you look at cave dwellers, uh, the the majority of caves, if it possible, face to the uh, face to the south in the northern hemisphere and the north and southern hemisphere, to do just this, so that all year long your cave is not as hot in the hot summer and not as cold in the uh, in winter. Plus, you have better light in the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way of looking at it here, just another example. This is summer solstice at three in the afternoon, and you see that the sun is not going into and warming. Mm-hmm. Inside the house, whereas 3 p.m. at winter solstice, you have all of this sunlight coming through, warming the floor and making the house better. So, in terms of uh, again, passive—it's in the name that I said—a passive system is something uh, like like the thermos. Whereas mm-hmm. an active system is the, you know, the pot sitting on the burner. Uh, that both, keep your, both give you access to hot coffee all day. And uh, with the burner, you also get the smell of burning coffee when it gets down to the bottom, as we've all experienced if we've done it. So as I said, it's in the name. A passive solution is a solution that delivers desired performance just as a function of the way it's designed. Your seat belts in your car don't do anything other than be there, but when they're needed, they're there and they work. So, Mm -hmm. and it continues to deliver that, uh, that performance with little or no intervention. I have two examples that I like to use. The first being the wing on a race car. What that wing does, and there's actually one under the front as well, is it, it's like an airplane wing upside down and it acts. and so instead of providing lift like it would for an airplane, it pushes the car down at speed. So when you go around corners, you have much better traction and because it's just pressing down, it's not, you could get it to press down if you put a bunch of lead weights in the back of it, but then those weights would have the centrifugal force to pull you off. It doesn't, it doesn't allow you to turn better. Mm-hmm. It does make it heavier, but by making it press down, you get that. And as long as you drive the race car, that, as long as it has the, the, the wing on it, it's going to corner better. The second example I like to use is reverse diagonal parking. Some of you may have seen that. Uh, I saw it my first time uh, up at Stanford. Uh, it's in, uh, that's what they use in their, uh, w- w- where you go to, the, to walk on the trails and things uh, uh, around the different places. They have this reverse diagonal parking where you go forward and back in. Uh, now, the reason that they do that is because it dramatically reduces personal injuries in the parking lot. Because when you back in, the bike is on the back of the car, the, the picnic basket is in the trunk, and as you see the doors, the doors when they open, they, they just send you to the back of the car. So it dramatically reduces the number of personal injuries. Now it keeps, and the fender benders are similar, but you also, uh, because you're not backing out into traffic, you can see, you, you, know, you know where you're going, you're much less likely to pull out in front of somebody uh, that's driving by. So it, it's much better. The other thing, and the other reason, it's a passive solution, by the way, as long as the lines are there, you're going to park that way. Uh, The other thing that I point out about it that is really important is it does not cost any more to paint the lines reverse diagonal than diagonal. They're they're just, it's a change (laughs) in the priority. And very many of the things associated with passive house are no different. It's just you did them because of the priority, like the eve on the house. It it didn't cost more to do it. You just did it. (laughs) Correctly, because you knew what you wanted. Right. So, moving on to passive house performance, and we did—we already talked about the, uh, uh, the the performances there, and you know, we went through these earlier. I wanted to do them uh, again, but when you're in how how does a passive house perform, think in terms of the inside and the outside. In this case, it's a fireman on the inside of his personal protective equipment or her personal protective equipment. We can't really tell. Uh, and that's what they, you know, that protects them from the heat and the smoke and the stuff that's going on during a fire. It's true at the other end of the spectrum of an astronaut who is in outer space with no oxygen and extreme cold that's going on. And so what do you do to protect yourself in this? A so personal protective equipment or envelope is an airtight shell. Those are both airtight. They are also insulated because you could make it airtight with saran wrap but it wouldn't work well in a four or a four, in a fire or an outer space so you need the insulation to protect the heat, the heat or the heat from coming heat moving in or, or or cold moving in or heat moving out to the cold uh, and uh, then you get continuous fresh air interestingly those are the basics of passive house the first is whoops the first is an airtight building shell. With a building, you determine exactly where all of the, you know, where is your air barrier? How are you going to stop that? And remember, it includes windows and doors. This is just a small house, but just so that you can, whoops, I beg your pardon. The (laughs) second thing is better insulation correctly applied, and that also includes the elimination of thermal bridges, which we'll talk about um, in, in a moment. You see the wood insulation that's here is is a very good insulator because it's wood, it's made from waste sawdust from Mm -hmm. the lumber industry. And if you let it rot or burn it, all of the carbon that is sequestered goes up into the atmosphere. When you use it for insulation, it locks that carbon in sequestration for decades. So better insulation correctly uh, uh, applied. And that works also for big buildings, the same thing, the climate-specific insulation with thermal bridge-free connection. And when thermal bridge is like the re, if you if you've got a uh, an electro, a, a uh, an iron frying pan, you know not to grab the handle when you're cooking <laughs> in it because even though the handle is not over the fire, the heat comes up through and it bridges to that handle, and you can burn yourself with it. I like to show this example of a larger building that the building itself you can see, but this is a thermal camera that's being used. You can see that the building itself is very very good in terms of being. Of keeping the heat in, but they neglected to eliminate the thermal bridge from the structure that holds the decks up. So what they've really created is a radiator for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the toilet leak, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but when it goes on for months, uh, you know for twenty four hours a day, months, it can be a big deal. And here the thermal bridging is a big deal there. So that's one of the ways we get to the really high level of uh, uh, of efficiency. And the third element is this mechanical ventilation with heat recovery. You can see here that the air is going out of the hot room, the the wet rooms, uh, the warm air from inside, the red deal. And then it goes through this heat exchanger. And by the time it goes out, it's cool. And that heat is transferred to the cool air coming in so that it comes in preheated. Uh, And I have a couple of slides that show that. Basically, we extract air from the kitchen, bath, laundry room, the wet rooms, exhausted outside, same picture as we had before. Intake coming in the same way as you have it before. Because you control it, the air does not mix. You can filter it to whatever level you want it filtered or even multiple levels as I described earlier. And to give you some idea, whoops, whoop, back up. Sorry, I keep touching things with my fingers <laughs> I'm running. To give you some idea, I put the little lightning bolt there to give you some idea on a 2000 square foot home, you can, the, the equivalent energy used by this heat recovery ventilation system is somewhere in the neighborhood of a 60 watt bulb. It's mm-hmm. it it's a very small amount of, uh, of wattage. It's just turning the fan slowly to move the air and the air itself changes temperature. So for example, if it's a 90% efficient and it's seven degrees inside and 30 degrees outside, by the time the outside air gets in, it comes in at about 66 degrees uh, and it goes out, of course, at thirty uh, at thirty four degrees. And the way that happens is if you can imagine a long tube, let's say <laughs> a four inch tube uh, with the, the, it's a copper tube, and there's a there's a very thin barrier in between it, so that the air never mixes. But as the warm air flows out and the cold air flows in, as the warm air flows out, you wind up with a seventy degree air cooling off. And the thirty-degree air warming up as they go by one another, so it comes in at that sixty-six degrees. So you're That's only the
1: word exchange, right? That's where there's exchange happening.
0: That's exchange, and mm-hmm. if I show it as a long straight pipe. But if you did it as a coiled pipe, where it where the whole pipe is inside the house, but the uh, you know, but the air is, starts at the back, then the whole pipe will be that temperature, and you can get it even closer to uh, to, high per, to the high percentage. Also, I'd like to say that passive house is scalable. We already talked about the giant buildings, but you can do an ADU to a passive house standard or a small home. This is a 1600 square foot it was the first passive house on the coast of on the central coast of California. Uh, a contractor that I work with built it. Uh, that, that doesn't even have a heating system because we're on mm-hmm. the ocean. So the temperature never goes up or down. It has, it has essentially the equivalent of a hairdryer coil in, the heat recovery system, so you can run that for a few minutes each morning to get the temperature where you want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you can build. I mentioned all of the bigger building. With an individual home, if you wanted to protect the thing, single family inside, imagine it being an egg. You'd have to protect the whole egg. Uh, then, if you wanted to do a bunch of them, you could just do that. Uh, but it would you'd have this little bit of extra cost on each one of them. If, however, you do a you to pack it like eggs in a carton. You get that safety without having to do all of the extra things. So with a multifamily building or a larger building, you only have to air seal the, the six out six outside walls. Uh, and so the much smaller uh, uh, systems that are necessary to run it make it cost pair and give it to cost parity or even less expensive. It does not need mm-hmm. to cost more. Mm-hmm. The next thing that I want to uh, the next thing is just the growing interest in traction. The California Public Utilities Commission uh, last year they they uh, ordered or they they funded a study called MZCAP, which is the Multifamily Zero Carbon Action Plan. This is now back to them, uh, and they have not published it yet. They're doing the final drafting on it, but it will be published. And this has to do with what do we need to do between now and 2035. So what they're saying. Uh, the the, the, the MZCAP desired outcomes, the first one is integrate passive house techniques so we get the higher energy efficiency, enable re- 100% renewable energy and do those things. The second outcome is to get that into code, support and drive future code cycles that include passive house and other performance-based approaches mm-hmm. instead of the, the typical checklist uh, kind of approaches that, that we have with some of the other programs that we have. And then I'll point out here that the third and fourth bullets are both about resilience. And resilience is how your home or building behaves when you lose power during a power outage or heat and cool or something like that. And my, the next slide is, uh, is very powerful in my, in my view. This is, th- this is back to, your, to the fireman and the, and the astronaut. If it's extremely heat or cold, you need a thermal enclosure or, resu- or robust enclosure. For wildfires, you want a fire-hardened enclosure. Uh, passive houses are much more difficult to catch on fire than, rig- than than non-passive houses. Again, because of the air that is going in and out. In wildfires, there are great pressure changes as the fire consumes the oxygen in the air, and so you're sucking air out of houses out of houses, and it's, and it goes back in when you know when the air uh, when it comes back, and some of that air that goes back in is 5,000 degrees mm-hmm. or up to 5,000 degrees, and so you wind up with a lot of fires and wildfires we uh, what start from the inside because the windows get blown out by the pressure. Passive house windows are much more robust to get out of there. They're still, if, if they had been in paradise, passive homes would have burned in paradise, uh, mm-hmm. but they are far more resistant. Uh, smoke and air, complete, the airtight enclosure with your fresh filter ventilation system that we've talked about, and for power outages, how long it lasts. A high-performance enclosure is the number one priority for resilience, and air sealing is a number one priority for that enclosure. Have a little graphic that I show here. Take it Thinking of it, thinking of resilience as like an airplane. How long? Uh oh, it loses power at three thousand or 30, at twenty thousand feet. How long can it glide? Well, uh, a, a, like a Cessna seven one seventy two, a small plane can can probably glide about twenty miles to find a place to land. An airliner is much better; it can go about forty five. But a glider goes more than two hundred miles. Mm. Comparing that to a home. It's 70 degrees in the home, but zero degrees outside, and you lose power. It only takes an 1850 home, excuse me, a 1950 home, eight hours to lose and get down to 40 degrees. A 1980s home, we got better. It's now three times as long, 24 hours, 2009, 42 hours. Today, it's close to two days, maybe even a little over two days. A passive house is more than six days. So, in extreme weather conditions, when you lose power you have the opportunity, you know, you can make it overnight and only lose five degrees and then it warms up during the day and you get that back. So some underlying realities I'd like to share as well, uh, is the, uh, well, we'll go here. The natural order of sustainability is do passive things first, active things second, and then put your renewables on third. And there's a uh, this is a good graphic for it. If you want to decarbonize, and you, as you know, the decarbonization movement is big in California, the first thing you need to do is make your building as efficient as possible. Or if you're doing a remodel, figure out what you can do to make it as efficient uh, as possible. Get low, low embodied carbon used in the building materials, electrify, and then you get the clean energy and you're there. Over the years, we have gone from thinking about a sustainability, uh, the Environmental Defense Fund and Greenpeace, to Energy Star, lead, Build It Green, prescriptive standards, to performance standards like passive house and living building, well and reset. And then we prove it. Uh, now we're asked to prove it. Uh, in New York, for example, all buildings starting in 2025 are going to have an energy budget. And if they exceed that energy budget, they will be fine. So we're, New York's doing a great job of driving it down. Uh, The last segment here is on some evidence-based performance ideas. The McLeamy curve is first. Uh, This was from Patrick McLeamy uh, of HOK Architecture about 20 years ago. Uh, And where you spend money when you build a building, design and build a building, is the the bulk of the money is spent or the highest during the documentation phase. Uh, Mm -hmm. And what what HOK figured out is if we do that in the beginning, uh, we wind up with the opportunity, you know, we, we, we get everybody involved and we do the function, performance, design, modeling, budgeting, we do it in the beginning. Uh, and then we're in, uh, you know, the, the, the total cost doesn't change but we have the ability to control that cost and a very high uh, low, just a low cost, uh, the way that you'd want to do it. So you begin with the end in mind, do the detailed modeling, budgeting, et cetera, like that. And it informs you as you go through the process. The same thing is true for a renovation project. If you will start with the aspirational approach of what is possible and then back down as required by time and budget, you wind up with a better result than if you start saying, okay, well let's get windows first or we'll do insulation first as opposed to getting all set up. If you're getting ready to build a home, what we used to do is it was kind of a relay race where you, you as the client knew what you cared about, your priorities, preferences, and the realities of time and budget, you worked with your architect, came up with a vision, and then you went to a builder. It was a handoff. Much better to get everybody involved in the beginning, so that you have all of these people sharing the vision. And what happens is you wind up achieving the vision much better and more easily. Uh, there are a number of performance goals and measurement methods that are there. You've heard of them. This is this is LEED here, Passive House, Living Living Future Fit Well, Reset Air, CalGreen. All of those are there. The way that I believe they should be applied and the way that we're going to do it going forward is first we'll start with some foundational elements. The envelope from passive house, reset air for air quality, lead and cal green if you're living in California, if you're in California. That's what all of our you know, t- Title 24 is based on those from an energy standpoint. But then you can look and you can take a personal you know, a kind of occupant experience from Fitwell or toxic materials from living building challenge or water with with the well building. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what we can do when we model and budget now, this dotted line here is the digital twin, the simulated performance, and the actual line is the actual performance that you get. So by way of call to action, I'd say now, those of you listening know a little more than you did before, uh, uh, and some of you a lot more, I would imagine, I like the Maya Angelou quote, that do the best you can until you know better, then when you know better, do better. So I'm <laughs> gonna make just a few real quick suggestions here. Uh, stay informed and get involved. Climate change is gonna dominate the next several decades. This is gonna, you know, learn about it, stay up to date, Learn. stay focused on it. If, say, if people are doing things like Passive House, Add your voice and support. Say, yes, we need. Be, be a Yimby, not a NIMBY. We have to do those things. Uh, if you yourself are, are going to do something on your own home, electrify, improve the envelope, get that continuous fresh air, add renewables, do the storage and things that are there. Uh, and if you wanted to support Passive House County of California, you can join. You can just sign up for our newsletter. You can be a volunteer. That's where you would find it. Or you could contact me at this number. Uh, I will uh, that's that number is also my number is also on the next page. So thank you very much for your time and interest.
1: Thank you, Jay. Oh, my God, this is the probably the best uh, presentation about passive house I've seen. It really breaks down to like uh, you know, different factors elements of and the benefits and I really appreciate your uh, Clear explanation of it, and and I was taking notes to ask you some questions, but you already answered most of the questions. But one thing I would I would like to ask you is um, so you know you talked about new constructions and when and some homeowners might be uh, considering of some updates upgrades of their homes, and and you also mentioned the renovation market. I would like to really speak to. Um, people who are considering of uh, renovating whether it's going to be their own home or it's, it's an investor trying to quote unquote flip the, the property um, where can people go where would be the first step I mean you already gave us where to go passivehousecal.org
0: uh, yes, you can go to PassiveHouseCal.org and look them up. If, you, if, if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about doing something to your house, send an email to info at PassiveHouseCal.org and say, I'm getting ready to do a renovation and I'd like to get as much for my money as I can. I'd like to do the best job I can without spending beyond my budget. And right. if, if you'll send that, that, the info at PassiveHouseCal.org comes to me and it comes to all of our board members. Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally in the last three days, Twice I have referred somebody to a passive house consultant, one in L.A. and one in San Francisco. Uh, and the, the passive house consultant I refer them to will answer their questions and do things generally at no charge because they're hoping to get hired to do the work. But they do know what they're doing and they can help you decide what are the most. If you, bet, you, know, if you talk to um, to a solar the company, they'll want to put as much solar on to handle your, pill, your current bill. If right. you talk to a window company, windows are going to be the answer. You're going to have to replace your <laughs> windows. If you talk to an insulation company, they're going to want to blow in insulation. What you need to do is talk to somebody that understands it all, that right. can look at, your, uh, look at and understand what's going on in your home, and mm-hmm. then help you decide, as I say, the aspirational approach of what would be possible, and then back down as necessary, and you get the best mm-hmm. possible result. Mm-hmm
1: and since you've mentioned the budget uh, i'd like to ask you and you have been saying that it doesn't cost any more than typical or traditional upgrade uh, or even new construction so like is it really comparable in terms of the cost if you if you were to actually implement all these passive house elements in the new construction or renovation project um, how does it how does it uh, compare cost wise? Yes.
0: Well there's two uh, multiple factors but the, the, the main picture is if you mm-hmm. start in the beginning and mm-hmm. get an architect and a contractor and an MEP involved so right. that you're figuring out what you want to do uh, we have proven and, and you have to have people who know how to build it <laughs> right. uh, so you, it does not need to cost more for a multifamily building a single family home will probably be the one that I showed uh, that the picture that I showed the first one in California, I don't think I mm-hmm. mentioned it, won the Fine Home Building mm-hmm. Magazine's best new house of the year award that year. Uh, okay. It was a little over 6% more than if we had done the same thing otherwise. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. over time, of course, that pays back. Uh, but but it is a little more expensive to do it uh, sure. you know, for a single family home. And for a multifamily or larger home, it can range from from three percent less up to about eight percent more—that's kind of where it is. And the real key is getting people who know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you, yeah, and and the, all the people that are putting in the windows and installing and doing the air sealing and things like that—those things, you know, once they once you know how, it's you know, what, the, the fourth time you've done a recipe, you go faster and you get it right. So right. there's a learning curve associated with it. Mm-hmm. And I'll just jump down to one other picture here. Things like. If you, if you design your house with four corners, if it was originally designed here and you said, you know, let's just make it square and we'll decorate the envelope instead of decorate with the envelope, you wind up with a 10% reduction <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to say, you know, for, your, for your passive house. So it's these, if you think, uh, if you're smart about it from the beginning, uh, it's, it does not necessarily to need, uh, need to cost more. You can, you can save and not get the granite countertops, maybe not get the sub zero refrigerator and the wolf range. and, and, and and make up the difference. The mechanical systems in a passive house are dramatically smaller from a, in Fresno, you probably, if you have a 2000 square foot home, they probably put in a four ton air conditioner. If it was a passive house, you can get by with a one ton air conditioner. So, so it's less expensive, smaller, more Mm -hmm. importantly, because it runs smoothly. It's it like Mm -hmm. travels at 20 miles an hour through the You know, through the time, whereas with the four time you've got uh, like the equivalent of a drag racer going between stop signs. Right. You know, so it it doesn't have to cost more.
1: Yes. So now now let me get back to, um, you know, what you said about you have to have the people who know how to do this. Right. So how um, are there many uh, contractors, general contractors out there? Uh, Do they have to learn? the way to build this, you know, a passive house, is, is, that a, is that a difficult process? Or how easy is it to find actual contractors that can do this
0: in general? Uh, there are enough contractors around that you can find them, although <laughs> we are going to have a bottleneck there as people wind <laughs> up really transitioning quickly sure. uh, mm-hmm. to passive house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing where you, 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 the experience doing it, as I mentioned, the third, fourth time you prepare a recipe, the experience doing it is important. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the modeling system that you use to determine how to do it and whether you're gonna to get to the numbers you need is called Passive House Planning Package, PHPP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are, uh, I've, I've got nine people signed up uh, currently for the next session, the next training session that we have to teach people, uh, teach architects, engineers, contractors about that. Uh, so you'd need someone who can do a PA, PHPP. It, mm-hmm. it does not now, but within a few years, the PHPP will be uh, a, will be an alternative to the Title 24 in terms of the energy efficiency stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it, uh, right now it's a little bit of a, you know, you have to find somebody who can do that. And there are people who can do that. And that can also be done remotely. If you have an architect that's interested and that architect will work remotely with someone that it, it can be done. Uh, it's I generally see. going to be a little more expensive, uh, mm-hmm. however. And mm-hmm. uh, in, in the first times so it, it will get down to where it's just the way we do it, so we won't notice mm-hmm. whether it's more expensive or not. Right. You know, well, car, I am. Fe- if you could get your car without anti-lock brakes, seat belts, airbags, and collapsible frames, it would be cheaper. But now we know you don't buy a car without those things. That right. is where we're headed with the built environment.
1: Yes, I am very optimistic about where all this movement is taking us to, and obviously we have a lot of obstacles but I'm really grateful that we get to have people like you on my podcast so I can spread this idea around and people would um, learn more about how we can make a difference in a built environment so thank you so much Jay I am very grateful for your time and um, Uh, Why don't you put up your uh, card where you have the contact information again. I'll put
0: the contact information up momentarily. This, by the way, is the deck of a passive house that was not damaged at all, looking down at the next door neighbor's home.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Uh, Just given the opportunity to show you one more thing. Yes. I I thought that would uh, would be worthwhile. There's my contact information.
1: Thank you so much. So PassiveHouseCal.org is uh, the website that you can find a lot of information. Yes. Thank you so much. This was Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes podcast. And thank you, Jay, again. And until next episode.